Good morning, church. Please pray with me. Good and gracious God, we come remembering, remembering words you spoke so long ago, words that enlighten our hearts and minds in those hours of trial and tribulation, those words that are like honey. O oh, good and gracious God, if for a moment let us taste that wisdom that is beyond measure, let us partake in a hope that never dies. O oh, good and gracious God, I humbly ask that the words of my mouth in the meditations of our hearts and our minds might be acceptable to you and might reflect that goodness of you. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. The reading from today comes from Matthew chapter 5, verses 38 through 41. Listen to these familial words. You have heard it said, an eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the evildoer. But if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to the other also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your coat, Give your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go the second mile. Give to everyone who begs from you and do not refuse anyone who, doesn't want, who wants to borrow from you. You've heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Love your enemies. And pray for those who persecute you, so that they may be children of your Father in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you only greet your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing than the others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. This ends this reading of this holy word. May it be good news to us. It's funny, when we were praying that prayer about the saints, the saints of the church who have come and gone, I don't know what happened in that moment, but 
I was drawn back to a wooden shelter in southeastern Ohio. In this shelter, there was a settlement, settlement of Moravians, the church I grew up in as a child. And this settlement was during the French and Indian War, and they were in the Ohio Valley, right between the British and the colonists. And because these people were Indians, first of all, second of all, they chooses not to take part in the conflict, their leader got dragged up to Detroit in that area, and the colonists came in believing that one, that they had given shelter to a band of Indians, they decided to slaughter the whole community. You don't pray in the same way at a place like that. The weight of one's belief weighs heavily on you. You know that you are an inheritor of what they sacrificed for. It's not easy. It's not easy at all. I tell that story because it's a frame upon which I understand a lot of what ministry is about, a concept of sacrifice, even sacrifice to the fullest extent, even when it would be easier to do otherwise, even when it may be more prudent to do otherwise. You know, today we celebrate by the lighting of the candles and by the memories of those who've come before us. You know, and it's attested to, I believe, Einstein, although, you know, what, what that is worth. He said that science is based on the shoulders of giants. Yes, that's true, but it's also true for those who are in our faith community, we all rest on somebody else's faith who shared that faith with us. We all stand here not because of our own goodness, but because someone else welcomed us into a community of love and said, yes, you, even you, are lovable. Even you are worthy. To be honest with you, I don't know those names that you have in your mind right now. Those people who touched your life. Those people who have made that difference. But know in their memory, you give their life hope 
you give their life purpose. Thinking about that, then this, for me, the definition of a saint is anyone who invites another to take sanctuary in the kingdom. Coming up with this definition, I was thinking like, well, isn't that just a greeter in like a regular church? But it's different because this sanctuary is not a sanctuary of the walls or of a place or even of a community. It is a sanctuary in what we understand as the Ubuntu, that great power of, of those who gather around Christ in the fullness, that knows no economic or social status, that knows no gender de definition, that knows no nationality, that knows no cultural background, that place where we sit at the kingdom, which we will play a part of soon in the communion, as we play kingdom at communion. The saint is someone who gives another sanctuary. It's challenging to think about that when you think about those people who I talked about who gave the fullest sacrifice when they were called, when their time, it can feel very daunting. It can feel like, I can't do that. That's somebody else's job. The challenge underlying this is gaining that strength to welcome those who have not been welcomed, to opening doors for those who haven't had the door opened. You know, as I read this text, something struck at me. You have heard you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. This passage has, an, out of a sense of curiosity, inspired me to ask a question. How can I love those who hate me when sometimes I can't love myself? It's a challenging question, is it not? Love is one of those interesting things for if we look at it as the world looks at it, we are always kind of, it is always outside of our 
ability. We have no control over love, it is often said. We love who those who we love. We often don't understand it. Also, we can invest in doing and being something than what we could be. Love is not that in the kingdom. Love is a thankfulness about what God has done through Jesus Christ for us. We say that again. Love in the kingdom is not what we have done for another. It is what God has done for us, which then we reflect to the wider world. The reason I can love is because Christ loved me first. That love cultivated through the lives of the saints and is imparted into me and through me, through my ministry. Love can often feel out of our control, but in accepting Christ's self-sacrificing love, we have an ability to love ourselves coming out of the identity found in Christ, while we might be imperfect, we're still good enough to die for. Too often we look to others to evoke love in us. But when we come to see in its fullness that it is love that is something that was given to us, we can act out of thankfulness to those who have not had love. Accepting God's gracious love for us, there is a thankfulness for what God has done through Christ's sacrifice. It is this thankfulness that contradicts the fear that grows out of that first verse in verse 38. It is the emotional foundation for a sense of excessive grace. That first part of the text, we have two very clear worldviews. One of the world as it is, the other as the world of the kingdom yet to come. You have heard it said, but I say. You have heard it said, but I say. knowledge of that we love not because someone else loves us if you will if someone shows that we love that because Christ loved us first Christ gave his full measure to us 
You see, if we love as the world loves, we're always afraid of losing that love. We're always afraid of giving up that love. You know, it's weird. Dennis talked last week about Sears and how it has once been a palatial, you know, staple of American retail giant. Now it's crumbled. And a lot of that was due to the self-serving nature of their CEO. The reality of that is, is that if you fear you're going to lose something, you're not going to take the investment to do what needs to be done to live into the hope. But if you see what you have, you are thankful If you see what you have as a gift, you're thankful for that, and you can then live into the hope. It is that worldview that allows you to do what is impossible in this world. That worldview that allows you to be beyond that which others would think of you. When we live into that sacrifice, we live into a hope that will never die. When we live in that excessive graciousness, that gluttonous graciousness even, when we are willing to do that which others cannot, because they're afraid, because they don't know what the first step is, then we have an opportunity to live into God's goodness. When we start doing that, we stand outside the culture. We stand outside the norms of the way the world works. And we will always be that sign as long as we stand outside that. And it is that ability to stand outside, that ability to go the extra mile, that ability to give up of stuff that other people want to claim on to. That is the nature of what the saintly life is like. Because that is a way of welcoming people to a reality not born of one's fear, but birthed of one's hope. It is in those moments when we stand outside the reality that we have the opportunity to do a type of evangelism. A type of evangelism that doesn't throw fear on people or a type of evangelism that promises them them the wonders of whatever. It is a simple, seductive evangelism that lets us live into the hope 
And in being outside those bounds, we can then show others what it might be like to be a part of that kingdom. When we are able to live into the identity in Christ, we are able to to be accessibly gracious to others. When we can do that, we can do a type of seductive evangelism that doesn't try to impose our faith onto others, but shows others how one's faith might affect and change the world around. And it shows others the benefits of a follower of Christ by acting counterculturally out of, not out of a culture of fear, but out of a culture of hope. By giving people what they so desperately need. Now, We live in a world of both excess and of want. To some, there is too much. To others, there's not enough. And sadly, we haven't figured this out. There's suffering on both sides of this table to those who do not have enough reality is, is it's really hard to keep existing to those who have too much what is of good kind of falls away because there is nothing there of value once everything you have everything you sometimes don't know how to value it You know, I can find myself from time to time getting frustrated with this or that thing happening that I was not expecting. And then I come to realize that there are people out there who would love to have my problems because their problems are so much greater. I don't know what to make of that. But in that moment, I realized something. It's not about what we have or what we want. It's about being, knowing, and, and existing in a reality that we are lovable. Because if we are lovable and if we know we're lovable, we can have hope that can transcend that fear. Fear is always going to be a part of the game, but we will always have that little extra sense of hope to match it. And that is what is so desperately needed in this world, in this time, in this place. I'll conclude with this point. Barack Obama recently was at a lecture or a um, presentation. He was sitting down and talking with 
a group of young people, and he decried the nature of what is called cancel culture, which is where we go out on social media or where we go out in some type of public media and say, well, you didn't say it the way I would have said it, so you're wrong. And he started off by saying, you know, there's this belief that there's kind of this, you have to have this perfect good person to do things. The reality is we're all flawed. Wow, I wonder where he heard that from. Maybe from his UCC background. We are all flawed. And sometimes flawed people can do great things. Sometimes. So, and this is my interpretation of what he said, instead of seeing our advocacy as tearing down somebody else, it needs to always start from a level of lifting somebody else up. It is about giving people a shoulder to stand on as they move forward. It is about not about pulling ourselves up on somebody else's shoulders to say we're better. That is the nature of what a good or what a saint is. To give someone a place that they can rest their <laughs> Body, so that they can live into a hope that never dies in Christ. To be honest with you, I don't know where that leads us. I, but I know that Christ and through God's love, we will be better for the journey. Just like those lights that we celebrate today. May it be so for us. Amen, amen, amen.